This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talk with the most accomplished soccer player of all time from BYU Women's Soccer. She's been an All-American, the second pick in the NWSL draft, won the Golden Boot, a league title, and scored a goal 24 seconds into a game for Team USA. She is the fabulous Ashley Hatch. Ashley, what's going on? Nothing much. Thanks for having me. Do you agree with me? Are you the most accomplished soccer player in BYU Women's <laughs> Soccer history? I think you are. I mean, I mean, you said it, so I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with you. But I love coming on these shows because you guys have the best introductions. So. Oh, thank you. You're very Thanks. kind. No, but seriously, when I was looking at this, I was like, I think Ashley's the most accomplished. What you've been able to do has been incredible, which we will outline throughout uh, you know, the next about hour. But, man, it's been awesome. Okay, so... When I first got to know you, uh, you were on the BYU women's soccer team, of course, and uh, I helped call some of those games, and you were just this goal-scoring yeah. fiend. Um, you know, B- BYU, what what did BYU mean to you in your career? And then, of course, we'll, we'll dive back to when you were little until and then get to the present. Yeah, I mean, BYU meant a lot for my career. I feel like it definitely kind of propelled me um, in the direction that I went after BYU, um, it was the first time ever playing, you know, on a team, on a big stage, essentially, and playing in front of fans and kind of getting that whole atmosphere of soccer and like kind of like the professional world of soccer. Um, and then also just kind of pushed me as a as an athlete, as a soccer player, being able to play with such elite players, being coached by a great coach. Um, it helped me learn a lot about myself as a player and as a person. And it definitely just, like I said, propelled me into where I'm at right now. What kind of crowds do you get now compared to what you had at home games at Southfield? That's a good question. So, I mean, Southfield was definitely more consistent. Um, Like, we had a packed stadium pretty much every home game. We now play at Audi Field and Segra Field. Audi Field, when it's full, um, we play in front of 20,000 fans. But it's anywhere from, unfortunately, six to ten thousand um kind of like ebbs and flows depending on when you know the games are and you know if we've had like like for example the, when we filled it for the first time was after the woman won the world cup we had mm-hmm. twenty thousand fans in that stadium wow and then it also just depends on like where we're playing but yeah it's definitely not as consistent um as BYU was and I think that's something that makes BYU women's soccer super special and it's still a part of like my conversations today with other athletes who went and played at BYU, um, the mountains and the fans, and also just how good BYU soccer is. Those are the three things that they always mention. So it's cool that I was a part of that. Those are three great things. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Segra Field, I believe Old Glory DC, a professional rugby team, plays there sometimes as well, which I, I covered yeah. the Utah team in that league. So I see Segra Field all the time, so that rings a bell. That's yeah. Cool. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. Okay, so um, – Let's dive back to the beginnings with you. So you're born in San Dimas, California. Is that is that true? Mm-hmm. Where, I don't even know where San Dimas is. Is it Southern California? Uh, yeah, it's Southern California. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I know the the San Dimas High School football rocks. Like I know that reference, but um, <laughs> you know from from a famous movie. But when do you move to Arizona? Yeah. Like, what's your childhood like? Um, so a lot of my family is originally from Southern California. That's where both my parents are from. We moved in like eighth grade. Um, we actually moved to St. George, Utah first. We were there for only like a year and a half to two years. And then we moved, um, to Arizona and that's where I started high school. And so we've been there ever since. So I call Arizona home cause that's where I went to high school and that's where my family still is. But a good stint of my youth career was in Southern California. Which high school in St. George would have had Ashley Hatch scoring a good joint goals for them? It was Snow Canyon, but okay. they didn't they didn't need me because they won. And I think like my sophomore or junior year, I like still had friends and stuff that I played soccer with. And I remember um, following them and seeing that they had won. That was pretty cool. Where do you move to in Arizona in high school? Uh, I moved to Gilbert. So I went to Highland High School, if anyone knows anything about uh, high school in Arizona. But, People yeah. know Highland. The Highland. Yeah, it's a good, great school. Highland's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you know the number one high school outside of Utah for student applicants to BYU? It's it's in the Phoenix area. 
Is it Mountain View? It is Mountain View. I knew so it. So <laughs> many members of the church, right, come from there. There have been a bunch of athletes, too. Yeah. But Arizona's grown, yeah. especially that corridor with, uh, you know, Chandler, of course, and Mason and Gilbert. So many BYU athletes, students come from there. It's a pretty cool place uh, in that regard. Yeah. Um, what was it like to grow up there in, in high school with, as a member of the church, surrounded by other people who aren't members of the church, but there's mm-hmm. a strong culture there? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I feel like, you know, having growing up in Southern California was very different from, you know, St. George, Utah, and then from St. George, Utah to Arizona. My family, we kind of joke, we went from like one extreme to the next, like the perfect mix. And so we had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of member friends. There was, you know, seminary was a part of school, which was really nice. Um, and then also there, there was a little bit more diversity compared to St. George, Utah, as you know, there were other people that were of different faiths and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a perfect mix for, you know, me and my family and my siblings, and we really enjoyed it. The sports were really good. So that was a bonus and yeah, it was a great place to grow up. You're one of how many kids? Four. I have two sisters and one brother. And are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Yeah. Have you noticed any traits or attributes that you may have developed by being the oldest? Like, do you like being in charge? Do you want to lead the group? (laughs) Yes. I'm definitely a facilitator. (laughs) I've kind of like gave myself that role. My brother actually got married um, during COVID. So the temples were closed. And so he got, they got married in uh, in my backyard. My dad married them and stuff. And we like, they had good plans, but I just came in and like solidified them. I made things happen. I had like a clipboard, like and everything. So yeah, I I mean, my siblings sometimes think I'm bossy, but I mean, I was in charge, you know, whenever the parents left the house. So I had to make sure everything was in order. So yeah, I definitely have some uh, characteristics from being the oldest. I'm just imagining you with a clipboard in your backyard, just making sure everything's good the days leading up to that. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it was fun. Now on the soccer field, while yes, you do have assists, you are more of an alpha where you want to score the goals, right? At what point when you were younger did you realize, oh, one, I like soccer, and two, I'm good at it? And those are kind of tied um, together. You don't love things that you suck at. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you only like the things you're good at. Yeah, totally. Um, That's a good question. So I kind of started, I feel like later in soccer, I played a bunch of other sports before. Um, So when I started playing soccer, I was eight and like we actually had positions and I didn't, I just thought you ran around on the field and you did whatever you (laughs) want, kick the ball. But like the coach had put me in the left and he kept yelling me every time I would like cross over and just try and go get the ball. So I originally like hated soccer, like my first like couple practices. I was like, this isn't fun. I don't know what's going on. I never touched the ball. But my parents were like, well, we signed you up for a whole season. So you got to stick with it. Um, and then I like started like catching on to the rules. I started having some success because I was like fast and like pretty athletic. My ball control was like not the best. Uh, but as the season went on, I like picked it up and I finally scored like my first goal like the last game of the season and I really enjoyed it. And so I looked forward to the next season and I feel like the next season <laughs> as a youth player was my breakout season, I guess I started, I was just scoring a bunch of goals. Um, and then I just found myself naturally like wanting to practice more and more and get better. Um, so I would say like soccer jumped to like number one, like pretty quickly um, in my like youth career, but my parents, my dad specifically was very, adamant about us you know making sure that we played all the sports that we could while we could because like as you get older it gets more competitive and you know you can't play as many sports so in high school like soccer was definitely like number one you know that's kind of when I switched over (laughs) so did you were you still playing other sports uh through high school um I did track and cross country but no other sports just those to stay in shape for soccer? Yeah, exactly. Like, I would miss, like, track meets or cross-country meets for, like, club soccer tournaments and yeah. stuff. But I, like, made sure my coaches knew that, like, soccer was my priority. <laughs> and at this point, yeah, you've been recruited for a couple of years, and it's a thing, right? Um, what yeah. What events did you do in track and field? Um, so I was... I started with the 400 and then I moved over to the 300 hurdles and the 100 meter hurdles. So like my senior year, 
my three events were the 100 meter hurdles, 300 hurdles, and then the four by four relay. That's awesome. So that yeah, like 400 is like a mix, right? It it is speed, but it's not like ultra speed. But it's not the 800. Yeah. It's not the you know mile. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that sounds like perfect stuff for a forward, right? You want blazing speed, oh, but yeah. you also need to be able to play 90 minutes potentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that fits. Okay, were your parents athletic? Where do you get the athleticism? Um, my dad was definitely an athlete. He played baseball and did wrestling. And then my mom is quite the girly girl, but she claims that she was fast uh, when she was younger and she like, ran track and stuff. So I feel like I get it from both my parents, but I definitely get like the competitive side from my dad. My mom doesn't really have a competitive bone in her body. <laughs> mm, the baseball and, and wrestling. Uh, what, yeah. what, what's your dad's height? Was he, uh, was he a big dude? He's, was six, he... he's six foot, like yeah. not super big, uh, not like super tall, but definitely pretty strong. And yeah. I mean, he still like lists to this day. So he's like in pretty good He's shape. still in the gym. <laughs> Oh, yeah, every day. <laughs> nice. What's his name? Barry. Barry. Barry Hatch getting after it in the gym. Let's go. Yes. Taking his C4. Always. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so um, your your sister Brianna played at BYU, uh, transferred mm-hmm. UVU as well. She played college soccer. Yeah. Um, yes. She was a good player. I remember when she was on campus. Yeah. I was like, two hashes. This is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> are, are the other two siblings athletic as well? Yes, they are. So all of us played soccer. My brother... I would probably have to say it was the most like naturally gifted athlete. Um, the kind of athlete that goes out there like and has never played the sport, but then will all of a sudden like be the best. Um, but he was also kind of like this pretty boy. I feel like everyone loved him. He like had more fun, you know, with his friends and <laughs> sports are more of a hobby. I hope he never hears this because he'll <laughs> probably give me a hard time about this. But yeah, so he was definitely naturally gifted. Um and then my youngest sister also played soccer, but they didn't play past high school. Gotcha. Okay, we're talking to Ashley Hatch here on uh, Deep Blue. Okay, um, at what age in high school are you like, okay, this is real. Like, I could play in college. Like, this, this is, this is, I'm good enough. And and who's talking to you? Who was in the mix besides BYU? Yeah, um, I would say, so going into my freshman year of high school so I haven't been in high school yet it was my first ever BYU soccer camp and the incoming freshmen are still with like the middle schoolers they don't put them with like the high school kids yet um, unless you're like, good enough so that was the first time that I had like competed against girls like two to four years like older than me um, and I remember Jen moving me from like the younger group to the older group and like having success with the older group um, so that was like the kind of the first time that I was like, oh, like, I'm actually like pretty good, you know, against girls that are like older than me. Um, and then in high school, my freshman year, I had made the varsity team and like, was actually starting and scoring goals and stuff. And that's kind of when I like realized like, oh, I, I could actually play this game like after high school. And that's when I, you know, started getting interested in like, the recruiting process and, you know, looking at other colleges. Um, a lot of the uh, California teams <laughs> were in the mix, kind of just like reaching out to them. Um, but it really came down to ASU and BYU for me. Those were kind of like my top two. And why BYU ultimately? I mean, I really enjoyed the soccer camps that I went to, the summer soccer camps. Um, and they showed the most interest, I think, the earliest. And so it kind of, they were like consistent. ASU um like when I had reached out it was kind of like spotty at first but then like as I got older they started showing more interest and so I just I just loved the campus I loved going to soccer camps I loved going to the games um being able to interact with the players at the soccer camps and like get to know the coaches and stuff I thought was really cool so it was and also just like the you know the religion aspect I thought that was really cool to be um have the opportunity to be a part of a school where, you know, a religious school that is my same religion. Um, so that also kind of played a factor. You've mentioned the word consistency twice. If, is that a thing you value in life? Oh yeah. Like I am very, like, even just like in my career as a player, like I feel like I am where I am today because of like the consistent, like small efforts. And I feel like you can't really make 
great gains without consistency. Um, and so can be having a routine or being consistent in your relationships or whatever it is, is like a huge part of, of me. <laughs> it's super important. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So what players were older than you at BYU that you were like, oh my gosh, so-and-so came over here during the camp or whatever. <laughs> um, Jenny, I can't remember her name, what her last name right now but she had like the curly blonde hair Jenny Marshall. I remember watching yes Marshall I I still talk to her today like because she was playing still and still trying to play but anyway I remember watching her like on the field and then her like coaching me um and then Colette Jepson Smith actually like she was awesome she was I think my first my first she was my coach a couple of times and then I remember like when I was a senior she was coaching me and then I became a freshman and she decided to just like play a fifth year so we, she went from like coaching me to us playing together <laughs> and I thought that was really cool but I looked up to her a lot um and I loved like the way she played because she was just like super aggressive forward um really scrappy and just kind of like fought hard for everything and so I really enjoyed watching her play as well and um it was cool that we she coached me and then we played together. <laughs> That's amazing. My uh, daughter, yeah. Benna, when she was uh, five or six, Cam Tucker was her coach. So last year I was like, oh, dude, nice. Cam Tucker's like crushing it. <laughs> she has been for years, but they're on this amazing run to the national championship game. Yeah. W- what was last year like for you to watch that team do something that uh, you all had hoped for, right, when you played? Yeah. And it was the only thing mm-hmm. missing on Jen's resume was no Final Fours, but they did it. And they went to the national championship yeah. game. PKs, just the worst way to lose, Ugh, but it's how they won to get there. Yeah. But it was an amazing season. What was that like for you to watch that? Yeah. It was really fun. I definitely was super proud, and it was cool to be able to, I don't know, kind of flaunt that, like, hey, I went to BYU, and look how good they're doing, you know, like be in that conversation. But it was so fun to watch them, and they um, definitely deserved going that far. And, I mean – I'm biased, but I feel like they deserve to win. PKs is a hard way um, yep. to <laughs> to go out, but like, yeah, they Jen definitely deserved that. And I like I've said this before. I can't remember if it's to you or not, but like that's not now the new standard. So I'm super excited, you know, going forward to see like what this team can do. Jen has now been there; she knows what it takes, and that's just another I don't know notch on on their belts and so the next you know group of freshmen that come in or you know the next group of seniors like they're like hey this is what it's gonna take and this is a standard that we've set and so I'm really excited to see like what they do going forward. It'll be interesting to see how long Jennifer Rockwood continues to coach frankly. I, I did a deep blue <laughs> podcast with her and it sounded like oh I don't know I don't know yeah. <laughs> I'm like are you, are you done now like is it a year is it five I don't know she's She's literally taking it kind of one year at a time for a while now. Um, yeah. And after last year, I'm like, there's only one more place to go. And uh, <laughs> they had a special team, of course, with Michaela Coolahan and Cameron yeah. Tucker. Those two are in the NWSL as well, um, yes. which is super exciting. Orlando Pride for Michaela, Cameron Tucker for Gotham FC, which is like, no mm-hmm. offense to the Washington spirit, but I love Gotham FC's name. I just think it's really cool, <laughs> right? Um What's it going to be like to have other fellow Cougars in the league, which is which is awesome. This program's too good not to have multiple players, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's fun. We actually, you know, I played Michaela this weekend, and we have um, a cool part of our league. Those of us who, you know, um, have are religious, we have a little pregame prayer. And so I figured I would see her there, which was pretty cool. So I got to see her and see how she's doing catch up for like a minute or two before the game and then just um it's fun to follow you know other BYU alums and see them be successful because like you said the program's too good not to have more of us and like I I think about this often like the girls that I played with like like Elena or Britain like other girls that I played with like obviously their lives worked out the way they were supposed to but I'm like dang I wish they felt comfortable enough to come play because I definitely feel like you know they could have you know made their mark in this league as well um, but it's fun to see that more girls are feeling more comfortable and more confident coming into the league and Michaela's in the U23 pipeline so perhaps in the future maybe some senior team stuff which could be pretty yeah, cool be awesome. 
That'd be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. We've never had two on the same team, maybe historically. I don't know that, but I feel like it was kind of here or there. Alicia Rose obviously was uh, a big one there for a while. I don't know. Like, did Shauna Robach play on Team USA? Like, I don't. I, th- I don't know. Think she did, but I'm not sure, so I can't say. But I know that yeah. she was another great um, yeah. player. So we've yeah, had a handful. It's special, yeah. Uh, which we'll get to <laughs> yeah. about Team USA. We'll get to that with with you here in a second. Okay, so at BYU, any games or experiences that stick out about your time at BYU on or off the field? Because it was such a it was such a cool time to be able to watch you play and BYU have so much success, winning conference championships, yeah. you scoring a gajillion goals, going to NCAA tournaments. <laughs> oh man, it was all so much fun. Honestly, like every game day, it was like Christmas. Like I just looked forward to every minute on Southfield. Um, I mean, I feel like my freshman year, the game that we beat Utah and I scored the penalty in overtime was probably like one of the most exciting games of my freshman career. I don't know why they trusted me as a freshman to step up and take the PK, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> but we did it. So I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun. Winning, you know, WCC. I mean, going to the tournament is always fun. I feel like I still am like bitter. I hate South Carolina <laughs> my <laughs> senior year because I feel like we got gypped. Um, 2016? But, uh, what year was it? I, yeah, 2016. Uh-huh. And that's that's who BYU defeated to go to the Final Four. A little redemption yes, there, so, right? Yeah, I was really happy about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, uh, my freshman class, a lot of us had like a tradition of taking a picture on – all of the away games with the away teams like mascot. And that was like kind of like our pre like game day minus one, like ritual. And it was really fun. Um, so like funny, silly moments like that with the girls off the field and just like walking around campus with teammates, trying to get people to come to our games and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, that was fun. And you can't do stuff like that anymore because I don't go to school. I just, you know, play soccer. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> Those it's, are fun. it's a little more professional. Uh, you know, yeah. at, at this point, which is okay. Okay, so after your BYU career, you're getting ready for the draft. What mm-hmm. what what are the emotions as you're like? Is this a thing? I'm I'm definitely good enough. Like, what is this league like? How are the tryouts? How high am I going to go? What was that all like? Um, yeah, it was it was kind of scary because you know you go from like playing four years at, at BYU, like after your freshman year, you know what it's about, you know what to expect like throughout the four years. Um, and then all of a sudden we're back at square one with like so much unknown going forward. And um, as soon as, you know, like my college career was over when we lost that last game of the tournament, like I knew that I wasn't done, uh, but I had, I had already, you know, entered the draft because, you know, there was a, a timeline and stuff, but I didn't really want to think about it until I was done with BYU because I wanted to put everything into my like senior year and like not be anywhere else. I wanted to be present. So as soon as that was over, then I started thinking about it. My dad was my agent. So we kind of like worked through it together. Um, He would like call the coaches, email the coaches, like let them know that um, I was going to be entering the draft. Um, I know that like coach Chris at the time, who was one of our assistant coaches, he was worried that the coaches would think that I wasn't serious because girls in the past had entered the draft, but not gone and played. So I feel like, there was kind of like a big question mark some, for some people, like if I was actually going to go wherever I got drafted. Um, but I was pretty committed. So um, I was just looking up mock drafts on Twitter, kind of trying to get a feel of where I might go. And um, there's a lot of moving pieces. But as it you know got closer and closer, I remember Jen would like call me like every other day, like saying like, oh, I talked to this coach. I think you're going to go seventh oh, I think you're moving up. I think you might go fourth. And then all of a sudden, like, I heard rumors that I might be going second, but I also, you know, didn't want to get my hopes up. So just, you know, waited not very long with thinking this and went second. <laughs> What's it like to be picked second in a professional draft? Um, It was unreal, to be honest. Like, it was like a dream come true. Like, you never, I mean, up until, like, my junior senior year, I didn't really like for sure know if I was going to play professionally. Um, so it kind of, it definitely felt like a fairy tale. It didn't feel real, but it was a really cool experience to be a part of. So you get drafted by the North Carolina Courage mm-hmm. and you play a season there. What's that rookie year like? 
now that you're a professional soccer player? <laughs> um, it was a lot. It was definitely like a learning experience. I kind of went into it like just being a sponge, like soaking everything in from all the veterans, all their advice, um, learning what it takes to be a professional athlete, learning how to manage my time now that I wasn't a student athlete. Um, also like learning how to take care of my body more because the game is just so much more physically demanding um, and just like trying to keep up with the speed of play, not only like physically, but like mentally, just like seeing things quicker, being able to see passes one or two steps before they happen, um, all that kind of stuff. I remember like after my first day of like preseason, I like texted my dad. And I was like, whoa, like these girls are good. And I was the team that I was on, like had some of the best players in the world. So it was really cool to be a part of. Who was on your team? Um, so Dabinia, she's a Brazilian player. Um, she is amazing. So if, if you haven't seen her play, please watch. <laughs> she's great. Um, Sam Mewis, Abby Dahl Camper, Lynn Williams, Jess McDonald, um, just a lot of um, experienced like forwards, midfielders, defenders. Um, Abby Ersig was also a defender. She's still there as well. But um, just, a, yeah, a lot of players who had a lot of international experience um, and a lot of professional experience. So it was really cool to learn from them. Was Lynn Williams at Pepperdine with, around the same time as you? I'm trying to remember. Um, or is that I a different Williams? I think she was at Pepperdine. I think we crossed paths maybe a year or two. Gotcha. She's a little bit older, but yeah, I yeah. think she was at Pepperdine. There were some epic battles the there, time. as I recall. Yeah. Pepperdine, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so you spend that rookie year with North Carolina Courage. Then you go to Australia, Melbourne City, on, on loan. Mm -hmm. What went into yeah. that kind of decision and process? And then what was that year like? Or was it two years? Um, it was just one year in, or one off season in Australia. So I, I didn't start my rookie season until like halfway through. Um, and so I remember saying at the beginning of the season, because I knew it was pretty common for rookies to go overseas after their rookie season, just to go get more professional experience. But up until this point in my career, like living in North Carolina in a different time zone from my family was like the furthest I had li lived like away from home. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to play in Australia. Like that's way too far. Um, there's no way. And then like as my career um, as the season went on, I actually had a couple of teams from Australia, like reach out to me and they're like, Hey, like, would you come play for us? And then, so I started thinking about it. And then, um, the team that reached out to me originally was Adelaide. And at the time, I don't know how they are now, but they weren't the best team. Um, so I was like, okay, like, I don't know, maybe, but then Melbourne city reached out and I heard that they were the best, like they had just one. Their facilities were nice. Melbourne City was a really cool place to live. And so I kind of like started talking to other teammates and I was like, is this something I should do? And they were like, yes, do it. And I talked to my coach about it and he thought it was a good idea because he thought it would be good for me to get more professional experience, more games under my belt. And so then I was like, all right, I'm going for it. Like, I'm serious about my career. I'm serious about getting better. Um, and so I went for it. What was it like in Australia? What, what do people need to know about living <laughs> in Australia that they don't know? <laughs> um the food is amazing um the people are really cool I thought that like I would have no problem understanding people because they spoke English but they have a, <laughs> like their slang and their accents are really strong <laughs> and so it was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be but it was fun um I had a few Americans on my team which was helpful um the level of play at the time was really good there was a lot of girls um that had played in the NWSL in the league um, that also went over to Australia to play. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then obviously going to all the beaches was a great way to spend off downtime. <laughs> no big spiders or snakes. Oh my gosh. Huge spiders. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's real. Yeah. 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 They're, they're no joke there. So yeah, be careful if you don't like spiders, maybe don't go there. <laughs> Yeah, about that. Okay, so you're there for a season you mentioned. So then, then you say, uh, you know, at some point you're with the Washington Spirit here. What, what was it like to yeah. – uh, and, and why did you switch teams? And you've been there since? 
Um, so it wasn't my choice. I like towards the end of my season with Australia, um, I had gotten a call from my coach who basically just told me like, we didn't want to trade you, but this is like part of the game. You know, we had to trade you and you're going to the Washington spirit. And I was kind of devastated at first because I had really enjoyed my time in North Carolina. I enjoyed living there. We had a great team. We made it to the championship um, and lost in the final, but um, I was excited to like continue to develop as a player in North Carolina. Um, so I was going from the best team to essentially the worst team at the time. Um, but like, I tried to see the positive in it. Like I would most likely be a starter um, where in North Carolina, you know, I was still, you know, battling to be a starter. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's why I traded. Like, that's why I switched teams. Um, and we had a rough first season with the spirit, but it's only been up from there. So it's been good. For those who don't know, the Washington Spirit, NWSL champs, you won the golden <laughs> boot, and yeah. uh, it was also uh, full of turmoil with your, your coach getting fired uh, midseason. You had mm-hmm. a new owner. What was last year like with the Washington Spirit? Oh, man. <laughs> last year, I always joke, I would say, I would tell people, like, it was the best but worst year of my life because there was just so much, like, the previous year was a COVID year, so that was hard. And then last year was just right when we felt like we had overcome one trial, another one got thrown our way. Um, and it was just hard to, it was hard to work through, but the only thing that we could control was what we did on the field. And I think that, you know, contributed to a lot of our success um, and really brought us together. So the ending couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> And it ended definitely on a high, but it wasn't easy getting there. It would be one thing if you were in the league. We'd be proud of you regardless here at BYU. But it's another when you win the ship and you have the golden boot with 10 goals. What was it like to have those two parts? Like you won the the highest team award and the highest individual award there. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I I was definitely happy about it. Um, It's something that, you know, I had been striving for every single year. Um, but to finally actually get there um, was, I don't know, just kind of a little bit of a relief, um, like knowing that like, hey, like I had these high expectations, but, you know, some people might have told me a year or two ago, like those are too high of expectations um, to, to, to finally like get there is just, I don't know, it's rewarding and um, it excites me that, you know, I, I ha- there's always more room for growth and like that you know, is a potential for me. So I'm going to continue to strive for that. Did you write it down at any point? Or are you saying it was a, it was a, a goal you had to lead the <laughs> league in goals? Um, yeah. I mean, like every year that's, I mean, I don't, I don't talk about it. I'm very like internal person with like my goals and like how I go about things. Um, but yeah, I write down my goals every year um, for the season. That's always been, on that piece of paper so <laughs> and it happened how about that you you, you yep. played it into existence that's super cool <laughs> and i'm excited yep. to watch this season as well it's going to be fun of course with uh, as i mentioned three cougs in the nwsl that'll be amazing and mm-hmm. then michelle vasconcelos overseas with sevilla right in spain yes uh-huh. are those the four playing professionally i think alums are there any others <sighs> i'm missing here I think so. Those are the four, or we're the only four that I know of. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Okay, so um, the NWSL certainly uh, went through some turmoil this last year. You guys, I think, got a new, what, mm-hmm. CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement as a union and whatnot. What did you guys mm-hmm. go through, and what does it mean for the future of the league? Because having a domestic women's soccer league is a must in the U.S., so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad something got figured out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, It was huge. It was our first ever CBA. So like, it was a long process. Um, I'm one of the player reps for the spirit. And so I was, um, I had, you know, the privilege of being a part of um, a good amount of those calls um, and those negotiations. Um, But RPA did a great job of really fighting for us and, you know, setting standards and setting um, expectations for this league moving forward. A lot of people who are now a part of the committee, uh, Megan Burke, who is like our president leader, great. She does everything. Um, She's been a part of, you know, two women's professional leagues that have folded. So she knows 
um, what it's like to be a part of a failing league. And that's really hard. And she, she doesn't want that for us because we have so many great players and so much to offer. This is our 10th year, I think, as a league. And so it, it's definitely like overdue. Um, so to be able to like push, you know, for those standards and for us to have um, good support as players and moving forward is huge. And hopefully more girls can continue to play can continue to play longer and can continue to be supported throughout their career, no matter what, you know, their family choices are. There's a lot in there for players who become mothers and, you know, also players um, who are getting cut or waived their severance pay. Like it's a little bit more realistic now for players to be able to play in the league and have a somewhat comfortable, um, you know, salary, the base salary was raised. So um, there's a lot that went into it and there's definitely like, more room for growth, but it's a good starting spot. Yeah, I was going to say, what's what's the next step in terms of the evolution of the league to try and be as uh, functional as possible? Because what you don't want is, yes, we have a league, but no one makes any money, and it's super hard to make this happen, which I know was probably the case before, yeah. and maybe still is the case, you tell me. What's, what's mm-hmm. the next step to making sure this thing not only survives, but thrives? I mean, the next step, I feel like, is, you know, we have this CBA it's going to come out and writing it, I think soon, if it's not already out. And now it's like, we need to follow the CBA and make sure that every team um, is doing their part to follow the standards that are in that CBA um, to, you know, live it through, you know, the next, I think it's, I think it might be five years um, and, you know, fix things that need to be fixed, take notes of things that are working that aren't working. um, Listen to the players on like what else we might need. Um, just keep you know pushing representation for our league getting more people like the more we can get viewership the more eyes that are watching us the more power we have in those negotiations and stuff like that so there's those are some steps off the top of my head that like need to happen and will continue to happen we are in an era of women empowerment in sports and it's 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 the ball is rolling there which is great we're going Mm -hmm. in a better direction um, Tegan Graham, one of the women's basketball players at BYU, just did a podcast called Second Class Citizens about equity <laughs> and gender in Division One athletics. I'd recommend you listen to it. I need, yeah, to, I need to listen to that. It's really good. <laughs> Basically, she argued the numbers are there that if you give us the same chance, if you market us the same way, if you promote us, if you give us the same television access, that we will bring a product that is worthy of legit TV money. Like she, she talks mm-hmm. about how – all the NCAA sports outside of football and I think men's basketball are negotiated as one lump sum. But she said women's hoops, if it was negotiated separately, would make money. And then you could actually pay the teams for winning. The NCAA champ gets no money. Um, in men's, mm-hmm. there's units for every win that go to the school and the conference. So what's, what kind of opportunities does a league like the, the NWSL need to be able to get to the next level in, in the same kind of vein as what Tegan's talking about here? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great point that she makes because we, I mean, I'm seeing it, I'm living it just like, for example, going through a little bit of that, of the ownership issue that we had last year, having people in power who actually see us as, you know, a profitable investment, not people that see us as a charity case. And I think that was kind of the hardest part um, in like my earlier years, like a lot of people wanted to be a part of it to like for a good cause and I'm not saying that's bad but you need people to come in because we believe in ourselves we know what we have to offer and we know the quality of what you know the product we put on the field and we need those same type of investors those same people who are coming in here with the vision of look at these women watch them play they're amazing and they're going to go somewhere they're going to be profitable and and that's what we need those are the type of investors that we need um, and the like ownership and people and leadership power. So um, I think that message is start is finally starting to like come to the surface. Um, but we also, you know, need people who are watching, like watching because like, they believe that women's sports is, you know, worth their time. Um, so yeah, like I totally agree with what she is saying. And that's um, a huge uh, paradigm shift that I feel like needs to happen for a lot of people. 100%, 100%. Give it a shot. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like how it tastes. <laughs> Try it, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk about your USA career. So if I recall, was it your first cap was in 
Sandy at Rio Tinto in 2016? Yeah. That's yeah, pretty cool. Senior year. That it was in Utah. Yeah. You're se- you're at BYU and you got a you got a cap for the yeah. US senior women's national team. Then yeah. um and I think you played in two games there or something. But um mm-hmm. then 2018, yeah, you have uh, a stint there. Remind me what happened in 2018. So it was actually on my way home from Australia. Was it Australia? Yeah, when I came home from Australia, I had gone to a camp. I can't remember if I actually – I don't know if I played in the game. I don't think I did. I think it might have just been a camp. It was very memorable um, yeah, to I, you. <laughs> yeah, I, like <laughs> – I Yeah, like I had kind of like – I think I played it in the game against Mexico, but it was like the last five minutes of the game, and that's kind of what my caps have been all the way up until recently when I played in Australia, just like getting invited to a camp, maybe playing the last five minutes of the game, and then a whole year before getting called in again. So kind of like sporadic. And then in November 2021, when you when you get the golden boot and win the league, you you get to start. <laughs> okay. You, yeah. you go back to Australia, which is a cool story, of course. Yeah. And then you score in both games? <laughs> yeah. How about that? How about that? Including <laughs> in, in the first and fourth minutes. So you didn't waste any time. The first one, 24 yeah. seconds in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Walk me through what that was like, because that's like the most ideal thing ever, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think my heart has like beaten so fast in my entire (laughs) life. Um, It was a really cool game to be a part of. We were in Sydney and it was a packed stadium. And I honestly don't know if I've ever been in a stadium that packed where I wasn't the home team. Um, So that was like a really cool experience to be a part of as well. but yeah, I was like super excited, but also like, you know, super nervous. I just reminded myself that it's just another game. I know how to play this game. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm here for a reason. Kind of just like reassuring myself. Um, and then as soon as the whistle blew, just trying to, you know, do what we practice, do, you know, play out my role to the best of my ability. Um, and then the ball like bounced Lynn Williams headed it over a defender and it bounced in front of me. And I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, did this ball really just bounce right here in front of the goal? All I got to do is take a touch and finish. And as soon as it went into the back of the net, I was just like super pumped. (laughs) And it was, it was exciting, but I was like, wow, we still have a lot of game left to play. So (laughs) got to catch my breath. (laughs) You were very excited. Yeah, you were very excited. <laughs> I, I I loved uh I loved what you what you said in that moment as well. I very I loved it. I don't know if you recall, but you were very <laughs> excited. I'll just say that. <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> and there's Lynn Williams again, the Pepperdine, yeah. the WCC connection. Yep. That's kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to like you said. Hey, I came in at the end a couple times for the U.S. Senior National Team. That's amazing. But you start mm-hmm. and you score a goal, and it's in Australia where you had lived. Did you, after that mm-hmm. match, could you take in what that meant? And then the next game, you score again in the fourth minute. Like, did you ever? <laughs> did you ever have a moment where you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is really cool"? What just happened? Um, yes and no. Like when you're in the camp environment, like it's it's a pretty like demanding environment, and to to be in the starting lineup, um, like all the way up until you know the whistle blew. Like I was doing everything I could to pre- just prepare and make sure that. I knew what you know our press was look like our mid block looked like all this at pieces like just making sure I had everything locked in and then as soon as that game was over I think I was able to you know take it in for like a second <laughs> but then as soon as I got back to the hotel the next day we were preparing for the next game um so I feel like I wasn't really able to like take a breath until I had like landed back in the U.S. <laughs> and then it set in at some point yeah then I was able to you know be with my family, relax a little bit and celebrate a little bit because I had flown from Australia or to Australia straight from the championship game that like from the championship game, but it was the next day that I had left. So oh, wow. it was like, it was a whirlwind. What a week for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You win the NWSL championship. You go and score twice against Australia. And of course, for those who don't know the 2023 Women's World Cup is in Australia and New Zealand. It is. <laughs> it what is. kind of competition is there to make that roster next year? Um, there's a lot of competition. If I'm being honest, like we, there's a lot of young players. Like I would put myself in that category. Um, 
who are competing for that spot as well as veterans that I know aren't ready to give up that spot. So um, I think the best thing for me to do is just stay healthy, stay sharp and do well in this league um, because we go in, we go into camp. It's not very often that we go into camp. Um, So like the coaches can only, you know, analyze and pick apart what we're doing in our, our home markets. So um, there's a lot of competition, so well, it, it won't be easy, but it's definitely a goal. <laughs> How many spots are there for forwards, typically? I mean, I I can't recall off the top of my head what the roster size is for the World Cup. I think it's bigger than the Olympics. But um, so there's three forwards. Essentially, I think they – I want to say they take anywhere from – four to six. I'm not sure. You have to be honestly probably four or five. You have to be one of the top five forwards in the U S to make that roster. Yeah. It's tough sledding, but you're in the mix, which is exciting, right? I mean, I I think so. I would, I would like to say so. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what's next for you? Obviously, uh, I guess the regular season here for the NWSL uh, and Washington spirit, right? Yeah, so we're in the middle of our Challenge Cup right now, which is like just preseason tournament. Um, so, you know, doing our best to to win that. Um, it's super competitive. It's a fun tournament to be a part of because we're not all polished yet. You know, it's the beginning of our season. Um, but, yeah, just focusing on the Challenge Cup and then getting ready for regular season. I've, I've left the greatest subject to last. I want to talk about Jeff, your husband. Oh my gosh! Because this guy's yeah, like the d- real MVP, right? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> what, what, how's he been as a husband to a professional soccer player? And uh, and how'd you guys meet? Where's he from? What's his story? So he's a, a Provo boy through and through. Went to Provo High, <laughs> Bulldogs. Um, we actually like initially met um, playing basketball in the Smithfield House. Nice. Um, my room. <laughs> some pick my up? roommate. Yeah, my roommate Elena at the time um, had some friends that you know knew him and um, just put it all together. Like invited a bunch of people. They wanted me to meet Jeff, but like I wasn't ready to like date anyone because I had already been drafted. I knew I was leaving, um, and I wanted to like focus on soccer. And so. We were friends. He wanted to date, but I was like, no, sorry, I'm leaving. <laughs> Long story short, he you're like, like, I don't know if you're at the second pick in the draft. I have things to do, <laughs> Jeffrey. Like, yeah, I don't think you understand. Like, I'm not <laughs> staying here for you. <laughs> but, I mean, luckily for me, he stuck around. We, like, kept, you know, in contact. We actually grew the closest over, like, when I was in Australia, because, like, all we could do is talk over the phone. And the time change was, like, wild, but, like, I was super homesick, but talking to him really helped. Um, and then when I had gotten back from Australia and was like settled in, like with the spirit, that's when we started dating. Cause like I would come Utah, finally had a team and I would come to Utah for games and yep. he would get to hang out. And then he came and visited me. He also visited me in North Carolina in my rookie season, but I still like wasn't ready. <laughs> so yeah, but he, he wanted to, MVP. he wanted to yeah. multiple times. He's, He's wanting yeah. to date. You say no. He's going all the way to North Carolina. You're like, eh. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then later, he finally got you somehow. Yeah, I finally, my <laughs> eyes are finally opened, and I was like, wow, I have this amazing guy in front of me. Like, what am I doing? That's awesome. <laughs> but I tell, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's the truth. Like, I don't think I would still be playing um, if it wasn't for him because, mm. like, I feel like this. Once we got married, like, I feel like my purpose in life just became I don't know so much bigger and um he was like such a great support system and just being able to do it together and figure out like this this crazy career that I have where like you never know where you're gonna be like I'm pretty settled with the spirit now but like looking back like we had no idea like would I be here the next year would I get traded mid-season like all there's so many unknowns so to be able to like have you know him as you know like we had a foundation like with our relationship with our marriage and so um it definitely helped me focus in and be a better soccer player and he's just he's all in and he just loves it and I don't think I would be able to 
fully put everything I have into soccer if he didn't feel the same way. Um, and so I feel I feel really lucky that, you know, he stuck around. <laughs> Good job, Jeff. Yeah. Good job, man. <laughs> What's it like being a professional athlete and, uh, you know, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Um, it's awesome. It's, um, I, being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has helped me as a professional athlete, just knowing who I am, um, knowing what my standards are, knowing like what's best for me as an individual, um, has helped me move through a lot of like tough stages throughout my career. Um, and then also to be able to connect with people in my ward or just other people who are members of the church throughout the world honestly that I get to meet and just kind of share with them like hey you know your your faith and your you know involvement in this religion is not a hindrance but a help to whatever it is that you want to do um and like if you're solid in your in your faith and your testimony and you have that solid foundation you can literally do whatever you want um so it's really cool to be a part of like such a huge church community um even in australia like going over there and playing over there like i knew i could go i could find a church (laughs) to go to and to have a community so it's it's a really cool thing to be a part of that's fantastic and it's cool because you play for more than yourself right you play yeah, for you, totally. you play for Jeff, you play for uh, Gilbert, you play for BYU, you play for the Spirit, you play for US, the Team USA, you play for the church. Like You have all yeah. these things that you represent, which is pretty cool. But I, I think I could speak on behalf of like all of BYU. Like We're so proud of what you've done. It's so cool to see <laughs> you excel at the next level and then go up a couple notches from there, right? Um, and best of luck uh, well, this, this season as well. And thanks for taking uh, an hour here and chatting with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's always fun to chat with you guys and you know still keep that that connect BYU connection alive. So absolutely, <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For Corbin Radford and producer Trent Rhymeshusel and Ashley Hatch, I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.